took me a long time, but I have finally seen that the only path to victory is through defeat. I am coming to the end of myself. I surrender. Good morning. It's good to see you today. Happy Cinco de Mayo, which translated in the Low Country means the 5th of February. Can you believe this weather that we're having? <laughs> is it going to get spring soon or summer or whatever? But uh, somebody asked me, is this the way it always is, a new, new resident here? And I said, no, it'll, it'll get warm. It, don't, don't worry about it. We'll be, we'll be just fine in about July. Hey, I want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now uh, from an off-site campus uh, or on the internet, or in the chapel, or the warehouse, wherever you happen to be. Uh, we're glad that you guys are along, uh, too. So let me ask you a question I always do at the beginning to kind of get you thinking about what we're going to talk about. How many of you have ever had something stolen from you? How many of you have ever had something stolen? Almost everybody in here. That's kind of a sad commentary on our society, probably. You remember uh, how it made you feel? I heard about a guy in our church that had his truck stolen, uh, brand new, brand new, out of, out of his driveway. And I don't think his wife had even approved the, the truck yet. But anyway, it, it led me to think about, you know, probably my most painful feeling of it. I've had bigger things stolen, but uh, when, I was in, when I was in high school, not, not bigger than a truck, but what I'm going to tell you about. When I was in high school, um, back a few years ago, uh, I, I drove this uh, little car. It was uh, the very first Honda ever imported to the United States. Yeah, we got a picture of it. It's on a trailer because that's how it was most of the time. It, uh, the engines, unfortunately, blew about every 10 to 15,000 miles. But a uh, little tiny thing, had 10-inch wheels, uh, uh, two doors. It actually had a back seat. Nobody could get in it, so we took the back seat out of mine. And I put pink shag carpet back there, if you can imagine that. You know, a minivan that nobody could get in. But uh, so anyway, it's a little bitty car. And so I'd come out after class in high school, and I, I'd find this car everywhere. I'd find it on the football field. I'd find it across the street. Because it only took about four or five guys just to pick it up and carry it around, you know. And I was the only one in the school that had one of these. And that's the key thing. Because uh, when I was a senior... I came out after class one day and found my car, but someone had broken in, broke a window, and taken my music, my, my stereo system. Now, back in the day, you guys, a stereo system was this little thing like this that had, um, um, what do you call them, uh, eight tracks. There we go. Had a senior moment there. Anybody ever seen an eight track? You can go to Smithsonian, see it in the museum there. It's what Noah used on the ark to calm the animals. And so they took my they took my eight track player and all of my music. I had a you know a kind of a carry carry all with my music. And now, these days you know you've got it backed up to the cloud and all that kind of. But back then, no, you're just out. And I was so mad, but it was worse than mad. It was personal because I knew everybody knew what my car was, and whoever did it, I felt like did it as a personal affront to me. And so. I looked at everybody in the school differently then. I'd walk down the halls and I'm thinking, did he steal? Did she do it? No, she's nice. Did he? You know, and all this kind of stuff. Because you look at people differently when 
you've been stolen from. Now, we're in a series called White Flag. And basically, we're studying about four or five scriptures in Ephesians chapter 4 that relate to the church. And in the context, Paul says the church needs to be in unity. When the church is in unity, it's a powerful force. There's nothing on earth that can um, stand in the way of disunity uh, or, or, or of a unified church. And that's why, uh, if, you, if you've ever attended church, that the one thing that the enemy of the church attacks constantly is, is unity. Because if he can destroy unity, then he can destroy the mission of the church. And then he goes on and he says that this is how you live in the new community. That you're citizens in the kingdom of God. It's bigger than your American citizenship. It's bigger than any citizenship that you have. Anything secondary to the, to the uh, kingdom of God and your citizenship there. And he said there are certain rules and certain ways that people act in the kingdom of God in order that they might have community and so that the church will be in unity. And in about four or five verses in Ephesians chapter 4, he says these are some things that you need to raise a white flag on, that you need to surrender, that you need to quit doing. We talked about uh, the first one a couple of weeks ago, uh, lying. He says don't lie anymore. Tell the truth. Then we talked about anger, how that anger will destroy community. And he says don't, uh, don't sin in your anger. You're going to get angry, but don't allow it to get to sin and don't let the sun go down on your anger because if you do, you allow the enemy of your family, the enemy of the church, to have a, a foothold, to have a place where they can, he can operate from in your anger. And we talked about that. And this week, we're going to talk about uh, stealing. We're going to talk about theft. In fact, if you got an outline sheet, would you take that out here and in the campuses? I'd like everybody to read it out loud if you would, okay? Uh, Ephesians 4.28, let's read it. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work, and then give generously to others in need, okay? So he says, if you're a thief, quit stealing. I, I know what's happening right now. I know what's happening. There are, most of you are going, wow, I get a pass this week. You know, usually when I come to church, it's like, they're talking about something that deals with me. i got to pay attention. I usually have to confess of something or say, God, I'm, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to surrender. But this week, I'm okay. I am not a thief. Have I got you? That's what some of you are thinking. And then some of you are going, I know a thief. There's a thief at work. And what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to text him, and I'm going to tell him, I'm going to tell him to go to live.seacoast.org so that he can hear, she can hear this message today because it will be great for them. But I'm going to take a, in fact, while I'm texting, I think I'll check my Facebook right now. Okay. Here's what I want you to do. If you see somebody checking their Facebook around, just raise your hand and point during the message if you, you would do that. That would be real helpful. And so if you're going, I'll play a little words with friends. It'll help with community, you know, that, that type of thing. Because I don't have to listen. I'll make it through to response time. Response time's great. We do communion, all that kind of stuff. And then I can do whatever I need to do today because I am not a thief. Okay? Here's the problem with that. A couple of problems. Number one is um, this, this is an incredible verse. It really is. I mean, I read this thing over and over and over again. I said, this, this may be one of the coolest verses in the Bible because it defines, listen, it defines, redefines why you're here and why you do what you do. In fact, if you get this verse 
when you go to work tomorrow, your work will never be the same. Your work will never be the same. So I, I want you to hang in there for that. Secondly, I'm not so sure you're not a thief, okay? And let me make a case for that, all right? Because what I want to do is I want to define what it means uh, to be a thief. To steal means to take something from someone else without their permission or consent. Pretty straightforward. To take something from someone else without their permission or consent. So, So who does that? Well, there are some people that just outright steal stuff. And that's what you think you're not. Okay, well, most of us would say, I, you know, I would never go and do like somebody did to Josh and Katie Walters, our campus pastor here at the Long Point campus. Um, they had this cool blow-up toy that is a slide, a water slide for their kids. And we do a lot of parties, you know, birthday parties. It seems like with how many of our grandkids I have currently, there's a birthday going on all the time. And then they all have friends. And so Somebody's having a birthday, and so we get invited to birthdays. And whenever Walters are there, they would bring this little, it's no bigger than this, and, you know, you put a little machine to it, it blows up, and it has, you know, water that runs down it and all this kind of thing. And the kids absolutely love it. So I asked him the other day, I'm seeing your slide around, and it, it brought up something in him that the Lord's still dealing with him on. Because he said what, what happened was is they had it set up in their neighborhood, in their, uh, in their own front yard for their kids to do, and they left for about an hour or something left it set up, and somebody stole it. Can you imagine that? I said, well, how did that make you feel? He said, I, I've still got a little anger. I, I said, I can kind of see that a little bit. He said, I would drive around the neighborhood just looking for it. <laughs> and, he said, and he said, you know, there are a lot of seacoasters that live in the neighborhood, so even when I'm at church greeting people, it's like, did you steal my slide? You know, and th- that type of thing, because it destroys community. My, my son Joshua and his wife Lisa um, she uh, went to undergraduate school. She went to college at CSU. And so they, um, so they lived in the married dorms because they were married at the time. And the, the football players' dorms, the athletic dorms were right there by the married dorms, at least they were back in the day. And um, they had a welcome mat out in front of their, that's just like Lisa. She's very hospitable. And so they had a little welcome mat in front of their little, little you know, room. And one night they came home and their welcome mat was gone. Which for Josh, that wasn't a big deal, but for her it was a big deal. If you know Lisa, you know how she would approach this. And so she went door to door that night (laughs) to find out who had had stolen their welcome mat. And she came to one door and it was open and the football players, big football players, are having a party. And she looks in and there is the welcome mat in there. She didn't even hesitate. She walked in. She said, who took this? This is mine. I live right down there. I know where you live. I know who you are. If you ever do it again, we're calling the cops and you'll be gone. While Joshua is cowering in his room. There are people that steal things. Most of you don't do that. But you might do this. Let's say that you had a project at work. And so you brought home some stuff from work, including a stapler. And the stapler kind of gets repositioned there in your own house. And ultimately, you even forget where it came from. Well, not really. You're reminded, but you're thinking it's handy. And I do do some work from home, and 
Now you're working two jobs later and you've still got the stapler from the third job. Will you go to hell for that? My dad would have thought so, but my theology is a little different. <laughs> I don't think so, but you might have some guilty feelings and maybe somebody knows and there's community that's destroyed and it works on the unity of the church. Now, how about this? How many of you have in your drawer at home, you have at least one Seacoast pen? How, how many of you have those? Okay. All right, so, so on, on Wednesday this week, at first Wednesday, every four years we do an election for elders, and we just spring it on you because we don't want any politicking on the deal. And so th this week we, we said we're going to put a pin in every seat. And I said that ought to be no problem because we order them by the hundreds of thousands. And they said, well, we don't have enough. People have walked with them. You know, I, here's what I did is I was eating at a restaurant uh, not long ago, and I paid with a credit card, and the pin that was on the little, you know, thing that comes back <laughs> was a Seacoast pin. <laughs> now, that's not a big deal because we put our name on it so that if somebody does steal it, it becomes advertising. It's not a big deal. <laughs> not a big deal, all right? Okay. Let's move on. Let's, now, let's stay here for a little while. <laughs> um, how about this scripture? Uh, let me just ask you this. Let me ask you this. How many of you have ever been at work and you're on the internet on non-work related stuff? Just real quick, how many of you would remember lying? Okay, okay. Yeah. You're so pure over here. I tell you what, this section right here, you know, I read a statistic that said that 30% um, of work time is internet non-work related stuff. 30% these days. So add up the dollars that you're being paid to do that and is that stealing? Here's what the Bible says. It says, um, Proverbs 3.27 says, do not, no that's not the, the right one. How about Proverbs 10.26? The other one's a great one but it's not this one. Lazy people irritate their employers like vinegar to the teeth and smoke in the eyes. Have you ever had vinegar on your teeth? Me either. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> I tried to look it up, and I couldn't get it anywhere. But I do know what smoke in the eyes is like. And it just says we, we can't be lazy around our employer. Right, let's move on. Let's move. All right, well, let's not, just for a minute. How about not turning in paid time off forms? We had a guy here at Seacoast, and our paid time off is like we used to have sick days and vacation days. But that forced people to lie about sick days, so we put it all into PTO, paid time off. You use it however you want to. But you got to sign when you're going to use it because if you ever leave our employee employment, then we pay you for your sick days. And we had a guy that had tons of them, and he never turned in a form. I had to sit down and talk to him and say, dude, you're stealing, man. You're stealing because you never paid the sick forms, and we're going to pay you for it. That's just what we do. But I just want you to know that th that isn't right. You need to correct that uh, so that it doesn't, like, damage your reputation in the next place that you go. Now, if I hadn't meddled enough, let, let's go with this one. How many of you have ever used cable or Internet that you didn't pay for? You, your neighbors did, so you're just using it, uh, or the cable just happened to be left on, and, oh, gee, what a blessing from God, that, that type of thing. <laughs> Do you get the picture? Okay. Well, that's not the only definition of stealing. I got a couple more. 
withholding something is stealing. Okay, withholding. Um, Proverbs 3.27 says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Leviticus 19.13 says, do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not make your hired workers wait until the next day to receive their pay. In other words, if you owe somebody something, and it's the day of, that you have agreed ahead of time, this is going to be the payment day. And if you have the money, I'm not talking about if you had a major, you know, disaster, what, what, whatever, those come along from time to time. And this isn't about making anybody feel guilty about stuff that happens. But it's just to make us think about how much of a zero tolerance do we have to some of these things that destroy communities. And so if you have the ability to pay and you don't, then it's stealing. It's withholding good. Or if you're an employer and, you know, somebody worked hours for you and you say, I know you worked hours, but we're going to wait until such and such a time to pay you. And it's because we're, we're actually making money off of the, the difference there. Then that's stealing. That's stealing. And there should be a zero tolerance policy uh, in, the, in the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 7, verse 5, I'm not even going to read it. You read it yourself and have fun with it. But it talks about withholding affection as being stealing. When, when you marry somebody, then your body is not your own. Um, your body belongs to the other person. If we, you withhold what you've rightly committed to, um, to uh, you just read it yourself, you can figure it out. And, uh, and then, then there, there's another one. Misrepresenting something is stealing. You ever, uh, you ever had somebody sell you a car or a house and you negotiate a deal and, you know, if the deal is lopsided, that's okay. You know, you, you agreed to it. But what you didn't agree to was the fact that there were several things wrong with the car that they didn't say anything about that they probably knew or with the house. That's why these days you have to fill out a form when you sell a house that says this is, this is, this is, you know, and this, or just do as is. And so, and so w when you negotiate a deal and there's something the other person doesn't know and you know, that's stealing stealing or we had this one time we sold a car one time just an old beater and I think we sold it for you know a couple thousand dollars and the guy said you have to write out a bill of sales so that the other person can pay taxes and get their you know all, all the stuff that they need and he said would you mind adjusting that number down so that I won't have to pay as many taxes because it's just the government af after all it's not really stealing when it's the government right no wrong wrong it's, it's a matter of integrity so all right, so how many of you have stolen uh, in your life? Okay, all right, good. All right, so why do we steal? Just a couple of things. First is ignorance. Sometimes we steal out of ignorance. We really don't know any better. Have you ever taken your kid to a grocery store and you came home with like more candy than you thought that you had had and you obviously had not paid for it because the kid just took it? He didn't know any better? Found a funny video. You guys have probably seen this. This kid evidently stole a cup in a store. Take a look at this. No! Sakari, but you stole it. I want to take it back. Please. Sakari, <laughs> you already left. Mom, please don't call the cops. Please. I don't know what you want me to do. You stole the cup. <laughs> I'm scared. Please. I'm just a little son. I'm your son.
goodness. Yeah. You know, I, um, I, I stole out of ignorance one time. We got to move on, but this is so much fun. I stole out of ignorance one time. Uh, there are several people in the church that own restaurants, and uh, this is a few years ago, and I'd gone to this, this restaurant for lunch by myself, and I was working on some stuff, and uh, first time I'd ever been at the restaurant, and, um, and I just, it, you know, if I don't really concentrate on something, I forget, you, you understand what I'm saying? I got up and walked on the bill. Not only did I not tip, I didn't pay for my food. I just walked right out. Pastor at Seacoast walked right out. Okay? About three or four days later, for some reason, I remembered. I thought, oh, I, I felt like that kid right there. Oh, you know, I mean, what can I do? So I walked in and repaid. I, I, I was tempted this week. Some of you are going to not like this, but I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to be real. Uh, I, I, um, I was going to go do some uh, target practice with a friend of mine. And... Um, so on the way going there, um, you have these little little round targets that you have, and you paste them to something. And there's nothing better than a political sign to use for target practice. They're great. They're the right height, and you just paste something on it, and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I, for, it, it was only seconds. But I thought, you know, I could take a sign from my least favorite of those running. You, you understand what I'm saying? And just put, the, and it'll be fine. Nobody will miss it. Now, after an election, that's okay. That's just public service. Just get rid of those things. But before an election, that's stealing. And as I thought about it, finally, I went, that'll really end well for you, Greg. Um, I can just see the newspaper tomorrow. Seacoast pastor with a picture stealing a, a political sign for target practice. That's so bad on several levels. Okay. <laughs> But I thought about it. That's how, that's how this thing goes. We don't think, well, that's not that big of a deal. It is a big deal because it can destroy unity and community. Now, why do we steal? Greed, oftentimes. Greed is a selfish, uh, obsessive desire for more. I want something really, really bad, so I take it rather than get it in the appropriate way. Covetousness, which is similar to greed, which uh, means that it's just my, my greed is directed at a person. You have something that I want. I don't want you to have it. So I work around the situation where I can have what you have. That can be a job. That can be any of a number of things. But the bo bottom line uh, reason, if it's not ignorance, is, is really a, idolatry. Idolatry is when you um, worship something other than God. When you give your allegiance, your worship to. In other words, when you look to something other than God for happiness and, and uh, meaning in life. You say, I, I'll be happy if I get this, if I do this, if I accomplish this, if I achieve this. And basically what it is, it's a, it's, the bottom line is it's a lack of trust that God will provide for me. It's a lack of trust that God will provide for me. No wonder the scripture says wave a white flag on stealing. We've got to have a, a no tolerance, zero tolerance for stealing uh, in, the, in the church. Three simple commands concerning theft. The first one he says this in the scripture. He says stop stealing. Simple as that. If you're a thief, quit, steal, quit stealing. Just stop. Don't do it anymore. Stealing is a part of the old self that we're supposed to strip off. In fact, in, in verse 22, just a few scriptures ahead, or b b before this, he says, Paul says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, whether it's lying, whether it's anger, whether it's stealing, or whether it's words that we're going to talk about next week on Mother's Day. It's all the same. 
you, you're being corrupted by your old self. He says, take off your old self. You got to lose your old self because it's corrupted by deceitful desires. Now, what are deceitful desires? You've had deceitful desires. It's being deceived about what is truly desirable. You're deceived into believing that there are things that are absolutely essential for you to be happy. Yeah, if you ever wanted something really bad, you desired it. You just you could picture what that's going to make you feel like, or you know how you're going to enjoy it, and you get it, and you you find out that it's a deceitful desire. It doesn't deliver. I had one of those a few weeks ago. I was at a conference, went out to eat with a couple of my friends, went to a nice place, had a great meal, and then they came out with the dessert tray. You've seen that. That's not fair when they actually bring it out and lay it in front of you. And they say, here, I want you to look at this. Do you want it? Do you, do you need some dessert? They don't say, do you need dessert? Nobody ever needs it. Do you want it? And I knew right away, I've got plenty. You know, I, I have a challenge with weight anyway. I don't need this. But there was a creme brulee. And, and those, how of you know creme brulee is of the, of the spirit? I mean, whoever first thought of, you know, frying up some sugar and putting it over some colder sugar underneath, whoever thought of that, they were led by God. They really were. And so, and so I, my body is saying, you don't need this, you don't need this, but my desire, my mind was going, God, if it wasn't you, they wouldn't have had creme brulee. And so I got the creme brulee. It was a deceitful desire, deceitful, because I paid for it uh, all night long. I paid for it, okay? Deceitful desire. That's just a little thing, but we can do it in, in a lot of ways. The problem is it's a corrupted system. It doesn't produce happiness. And so he says, take it off. Don't steal anymore. Put it away. Put it away. So how do you do that? It ought to be simple, but it's not as simple as you think. First, you admit that you've got a heart problem. Got to admit that it, it is a heart problem. Matthew 15, 19. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. If you have a problem with any of those at all, it's a heart problem. It's a heart problem. It's coming from my heart. I'm, I'm desiring something. I'm not trusting God for what he's going to give me, and I'm desiring it. It comes out of the heart. So the second thing you do is receive God's forgiveness. I don't even think you need to ask for it. You confess your sin, repent your sin, repent of your sin. And, and the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Now, this is important for anything, lying or anything else, because here's what I see in the church. Somebody will have done something at some point, and, you know, I'll talk to them, and they'll say, and I'll say, you know, God has forgiven. Have, have, you, have you confessed your sin? Yeah. God has forgiven you. I don't think he has. I don't feel forgiven. This is too big of a deal. Or I'm just not sure God has forgiven me. See, that's a fallacy. That's a lie. Because forgiveness is automatic if confession comes. He says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful. God is faithful. You may not be faithful. But God is faithful to forgive you and to cleanse you of all stain, all unrighteous, the record of what you have done wrong. So you don't have to ask God for forgiveness. You receive God's forgiveness because that's the big issue for most people. You confess your sin and God forgives you of your sin, okay? So you receive God's forgiveness. He doesn't, it's not in his best interest that you feel guilty, that you feel con condemned. No, the, it's, it's in God's best interest that you 
receive his forgiveness so that you can walk and live the life that he has for you and your family and his mission for you in, in the church and in the world. And then the third thing you do, you, you, um, you confess your sin, you acknowledge it's a heart problem. You receive God's forgiveness, and then you move ahead by faith. Move ahead by faith. If you just deciding, I'm not going to steal anymore, you know, regardless of how big or little we see it in our mind, won't get you there. You've got to deal with the craving. Why do I steal? Why do I want stuff that I don't have? Why, why, will I, why will I take money that should be used for this, and I'll use it for this? Why, why do I do that? It's because of a craving. It's a desire. And here's the bottom line. I have a core belief. I don't believe God will provide. I don't. That's what leads to all kinds of craziness. I just don't believe that God will provide. Hebrews 13 and verse 5. Love this verse. Let's read it out loud together here and in the campuses. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. How have you know? Stop right there. You could, you could just live on that scripture for the rest of your life. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Let's go on. Because, wait, now stop. Let's circle because. Because that's real important. When you, okay, how, do you, how in the world do you keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have? The because is how you do it. All right, let's go on. Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So, so here's the point. If I'm going to move ahead by faith, I've got to say, you know what? God's promise to me is this. I will never leave you or forsake you. He knows what I need. He, he knows how to give me what I need. He is faithful. Therefore, with confidence, I will say the Lord's my helper. I'm going to be okay if I don't have this or if I don't have that. In God's season, he will give it to you. He will provide for me. I can trust God. Here's the problem. There are many of us here, if the truth were known, that you would say, I'm not sure I can trust God. I'm not sure that God has come through for me. I've prayed for things, and I haven't received them. I'm not sure that I can trust my wants, my life, my everything to God. Well, that's a, that's a, fair, that's a fair thing to say. Um, how is trust built? Trust is built when someone keeps their word. So how do you trust God? When he keeps his word, when he keeps one of his promises. Let me tell you, the easiest way to measure trust is money. That's why this scripture is about money. And that's why most of stealing is about money. That's why anything that has to do with greed is about money. Because money, uh, you, you, the word says you can serve one or the other. You're going to serve money or you're going to serve God. That's a struggle we all have all of our lives. All of our lives, we all have that. Am I going to serve money or am I going to serve God? And money is the easiest way to test God. Malachi 3 kind of sets it up in a cool way. We've seen Malachi 3 as a negative thing. And anytime you see a message that's going to be on tithing or Malachi 3, you go, oh boy. But listen, look at it in a positive way. Malachi 3, through a prophet, God says that Israel is stealing from him. They say, well, how are we stealing from you? He says, you're robbing God. How are we robbing God? He said, because you're not honoring him with your finances. You're not bringing the whole tithe into the storehouse. They, they quit doing that. 
And, um, and, and because of that, you got a lot of problems. And then God challenges them through the prophet to, to make it right, bring your tithes. And here's what he says. He says, if you'll do this, I'm going to promise a blessing of abundance. I'm going to give you more than what you'll know what to do with. And secondly, the blessing of abundance on one side. And on the other side, I'm going to de- bind the devourer. In other words, they're an ag- uh, agricultural society. So you got these bugs that even if they get you know, an, an abundant uh, crop, the bugs will eat the, the crop and, and it all goes for naught. He says, I will give you an abundant harvest and I will bind the devourer. And then he says this. Test me on this. See if I'm trustworthy. Test me on this. And so the test is, is he trustworthy or not? And so in this area of finances, I'm just going to be real transparent with you. Debbie and I, uh, for the first part of our marriage, we didn't honor God with our resources, our finances. We didn't. We, we loved God. We attended church all the time. We didn't, we didn't you know, if, if there was an offering, we might tip every once in a while. And, uh, but we didn't tithe. You know, throw a five in or a ten. It felt really good about a twenty. Actually didn't feel as good because what the deal was is I'd accidentally left a 20 in my pocket, and that's the only thing I had, and I felt guilty about that offering. You know, we used to have offering plates, like horse feeders, you know, the ones that have the, the deal that handles at each end, if you've ever been to pass them down. And I'd have to put something in, and, I, and oh, man, I, all I got's a 20. Dang, you know, <laughs> it just felt bad about it. I'm just being honest. Until one, and we struggled financially. Until one day, this, this preacher was preaching on Malachi, and he just said, you know what, if you don't trust God, test him on this. And so we decided to. I said, okay, we're going to give it three months, and we're going we're gonna to give God 10% of our income. And so we tested him. And that was, I don't know how many years ago, long, long time ago. And we found God to be faithful. We found him in finances. Does that mean that we've never had financial issues? No, not at all. But here's what we can do. When we have financial issues, we can go to God like this. We, God, we, we claim the promises of a tither. You said that if we would. Jesus said if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that he would add to you everything that you need. And God, we're having a hard time sometimes doing that, but we're doing it the best we can with our money. And your word says that if you'll bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that you will bind the devourer, and God, that you'll bless us. And we're standing on your blessing. And there have been times we've had to stand a while and it challenges us, and it's testing. But we have seen God be faithful. We've seen him be faithful. And so, and so that's why at Seacoast, every once in a while, when we do a, you know, a series on generosity or money or whatever, we offer a 90-day money-back test, and it sounds so cheesy every time I do it. It's like, come on. But you know what? It's a way to test God. Either, either he's faithful or he's not. Now, in this verse, the God of the universe makes you a promise. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And so how can you believe that and steal? How can you believe that? One one guy was saying that um, where his temptation was was with, uh, uh, you know, he paid his bills all the time on on time. He said one day he he was going to pay his bills and, and he saw that he had, kind of misplaced one, and he had a late, late fee charged to it. He's like four or five days late. And that appealed to his pride and his honor and all this kind of stuff. And so he went to write a check, and he said what he thought about doing is predating the check, predating it back to the time where it would not be late. 
And then when the company got it, they'd have a choice to make. Either they'd go by the, the st stamp on the outside or go by the check. And just maybe they would go by the check and he would avoid a $4 late fee. And then he thought, for $4, I don't believe the God of the universe can somewhere down the line either save $4 from some area of my life or bless me $4 extra. And so I am going to steal and lie and cheat for that just because I don't believe the God of the universe. And so it's a, it's a, it's a, a, a faith thing. Quit stealing by faith. Now, I got two more, but I'm going to go through them real quickly because they're, they're very self-explanatory. First thing you do is you quit stealing. Second thing you do is you work hard. If you're a thief, quit stealing. He says, instead, use your hands for good, hard work. See, God has ordained work and not stealing to get what we need. God said, you're going to need some things. Therefore, here's how you give them. You don't steal, you work. Work is a blessing from God. It's not a curse, it's a, a blessing. Now, this verse isn't me meant to be beat up people who are out of work. Some of you right now, you've been out of work for a while, and it's hard. You hear something like this, and you feel, oh, man. You know what? We all go through seasons of shortage. I remember when I got fired from my third job as a youth pastor. That's when I figured out I probably wasn't any good at that. But I didn't have another job. I had to travel halfway, take my family, small family at the time. There was just three of us. And, and take, take them halfway uh, across the country to live with my parents in their basement because I didn't have a job. My wife went to work as a daycare worker. And, um, and I did my best to put out resumes and do all that kind of thing. I know what that feels like. Okay? And so long as you're working hard to try to get work, you know, that's, that's all that's asked of you. Uh, so he says, if you're, if you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work. Now, fortunately, listen to me, this is the cool part of this teaching. This verse doesn't end here. It doesn't just say, okay, if you're a thief, quit stealing, go get a job. And work hard. Now, why is that fortunate? Why is that not a good thing? Because there, there are several ways to live your life. You can live your life in order to steal in order to have. Do you got that? You steal in order to have. He says, no, no, that's not good. Or you can live your life to work in order to have. Now, we Americans say, that's the American dream. That's a good thing, right? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Because, because, there's a problem. Both of those can describe a way to satisfy the drive of covetousness and greed. You got that? I steal because I'm greedy. Well, that's wrong. Okay, work because you're greedy. Then you can buy it, right? Well, that's not good either. One is illegal. The other is legal. But both are sin. There's a better way. And this verse describes the better way. You can either live to have... Got that? Say that with me. Live to have, one illegally or one legally, or you can live to give. Can you say that with me? Live to give. That's the Christian way. And that's what he says uh, in, the, in the next part of the verse. He says, um, if you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously. And that's the third point. Give generously to others who are in need. Paul says the purpose of your life is not to quit stealing. The purpose of your life is not to get a good job and work hard. The goal and purpose of your life is to get a good job, work hard, so that you can give to those in need. That's revolutionary. 
God wants to take your whole life. He wants to take your job, your work life, and make it a part of his grace. He says, don't steal to have, don't work to have, but work to have in order to give. And so when you go to work tomorrow, and if you get this verse, it changes the whole environment of your work. Why are you there? You're certainly not there to steal. You're not there just to get a paycheck so that you can have. You are there as a part of God's divine plan so that you can work in order to give. That's what it is. God's plan for all of us is that we be conduits of his grace, totally opposed to the greed factor that is all around us. Work in order to give. How does that work? Let me give you a real quick deal and then we'll kind of we'll, we'll call it quits. Where do, where do I start as far as working to give? Let me put a circle. On the back of your outline sheet, there's a whole uh, white section. Put a circle on there, and in the circle, put God, okay? Put God. So when you work to give, here's what you do. When you get a paycheck, the first one you honor is God. You say, God, I'm going to give to you first because, um, because that's what your word says. Debbie and I do that. Every time we get a paycheck, we, um, we honor God for a lot of reasons. Number one, that's what he asks us to do. Uh, number two, he blesses. He promises to bless if we do. And thirdly, we love what this church does. And so we take the first part of our income and we put it in the offering boxes. Some of you do it online. Many of you do this. And I, I love the fact that when I give, a portion of what I give goes to start churches so that this weekend there will be uh, over 250,000 people who hear the word of God. Thousands will get saved because every week you gave and we gave a portion of that to go start churches. I love the fact that when I give, that there's going to be hospitals built in Uganda. And there's going to be hospitals built in Nicaragua. The one in Uganda is going to serve, I think the number was 500 patients, mothers uh, per month, having babies in an area where the mortality rate is huge for babies. And they've got a clean hospital and maternity ward with well-trained physicians. And part of that is because of the money that I gave in that offering box. I could go on and on and on. That's cool to be a part of. I can't wait. I was going to say I can't wait to get to heaven. I hope it's a little ways away. But I can't wait to get there and for God to roll back the curtain and say, you know what? When you gave, this is what happened. And I want to show you the results of your giving, how I multiplied what you did at work because you worked to give. Put another circle, a little bit bigger. The first one you honor is God. second one you honor is you give to your family, the needy in your family. You take care of your family. Before you take care of the world, you take care of your family. And you, you think about that, you know, it, and you don't have to feel guilty that, you know, some of your resources are going to take care of somebody who is less fortunate, uh, and it's legit, in your family. Uh, be, because uh, if you don't take care of them, somebody else will have to. And so God designed it this way. Third circle is your, is your church family, is your church family. And so once my family's taken care of, then I take care of people in my church family. Why not outside of the church family? Wouldn't that be better? Well, it sounds good, but if people within our church family are not taken care of, then somebody outside is going to have to take care of them. And so God says, take care of your church family. That's why the verse is so cool to me. The end, I don't have it on your outline sheet. Just write Acts 4 at the end. I think it's about 28, something like that. Maybe 32. Or maybe it's 28 through 32. Where it says that there was no needy among them. Why? Because they were, they were living not to have, but they were living to give. And they took care of God. They took care of their family. They took care of their church family. And then one more circle outside of that is the world. 
And God expects us to make an impact in the world. That's why we do so many of the things that we do around the world. We give to the needy in the world. Okay, here it is. What if we all did that? What if we all did that? What if we all just raised a white flag, you know, on stealing, raised a white flag on greed, raised a white flag on this idea that I'm going to work in order to have, you know, that I'm better than stealing, but I'm but I'm not living where God wants me to live, in the, in the place where there's blessing. What if we all just said, you know, I'm not going to do that anymore. When I go to work tomorrow, I'm going to remember as I sit down that God has a purpose for my work, that he wants me to work in order to give. And I, I, I will guarantee you this, when you get this, and if you get it, you'll never outgive God. When you get a part of what God, what's on God's heart, he will supply you and supply you and supply you. And so we can say confidently, God is my helper. I will not be afraid. What if we saw our jobs as a means of God's grace? I'm going to work hard at good work, not so I can have more, but so that I can give more. Do you think God would bless that? I think he would. Do you think it would make a difference in our family? Yeah. Do you think it would make a difference in the community that we live in? You bet it would. It's totally countercultural. Do you think it would make a difference in the plan of God for the, for the entire world? I, I know it would. And I'm just radical enough to believe it. And I'm going to invite you today to go all in on a radically blessed way of living. Let's wave the white flag on just living to have. There's a better way. Let's live to give. That's where the blessing is. That's where the adventure is found. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you uh, this morning for your kingdom. And I pray that your kingdom would come in our lives today. That your kingdom would come in this place as we seek to serve you more and better with all of our resources, that our lives would become a life of giving, that that would be what would be characterized by, not stealing or not just working, but we are a people that we, we just give, 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 give. We reflect the love of our Father. God, I thank you that there are so many in this church that that is the reflection of their life. We just want more. We want to do it more. God, I pray that your kingdom would come, your will would be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.